let's have a word of prayer. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We begin, as I suggested um, in my welcome, with two different kinds of uh, laughter. I'm going to show you a back-to-back little film clip here. One is from a, a space cowboy fantasy called Guardians of the Galaxy, where we witness what I would call a sarcastic laughter from Rocket about what is truly possible. And the next clip will be laughter of celebration, a very different kind of, kind of laughter, when in The Return of the King from The Lord of the Rings, Frodo and his friends rejoice over an improbable victory. Let's take a look. I have a plan. You've got a plan. I have part of a plan. What percentage of a plan? I don't know. 12%. 12%? That's a laugh. It's real. Clip number one. That was sarcastic. crazy Uncle Gimli in there. So, a different, two different kinds of laughter? No? Um, who told a joke in that last scene? There's no joke. It was the laughter of joy and of victory. Two kinds of laughter that are prominent and central in our story today. Let's look more carefully at the story that Cheryl has already read for us. It says that Sarah laughed to herself. She and her husband, Abraham, had been going about the business of uh, living their lives in their tent home with uh, all kinds of uh, servants and helpers, and three visitors stopped by, strangers to them. Turns out this was the Lord in disguise. And as uh, Sarah stayed behind the scenes in the tent making bread, the three visitors were being hosted by Abraham. And it was probably not the case that Abraham, hey dude, probably not the case that Abraham knew that these three visitors were divine. Until one of them asked, where's Sarah? You see, these visitors had not yet met Sarah. She'd been uh, off stage. And yet they ask where Sarah is. It becomes clear at that point these are not just any visitors. They know about Sarah. They are sent by God. Well, in this case, they are God. Interesting that they are three, isn't it? What does that make you think of? Bullseye. So they have Abraham's attention, who 
tells the visitors, well, Sarah's, she's in the tent. And then one of the guests says, I will return in due season. And when I do, your wife, Sarah, will have a son. And now we learn that Sarah has been eavesdropping. She's heard the pronouncement and she, she laughs to herself. Ha, at my age and my husband's age, will we conceive and have a son? Translated into a more modern idiom, it might sound more like this. Abraham and I are going to make a baby? Yeah, right. There's laughter here from Sarah, but it is not a joyous laughter. It is a yeah, right laughter. The laughter of lifelong heartbreak. They had no children, Abraham and Sarah, in a time when having children was everything in that culture. So Sarah's laughter was a laughter of cynicism, or you might say, a laughter of weary realism. What would make her think that she could conceive at age 90? Unfortunately, at that time, they didn't regularly have, they didn't have adoption agencies and that, uh, that way of, uh, of parenting kids and that avenue wasn't open. And now begins one of the oddest dialogues in Scripture. Unbeknownst to Sarah, the visitor overheard her laughing and said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say to herself, oh, right, I'm going to have a baby? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? <laughs> kind of like between, between the lines. Give me some credit here. I'm the Lord, right? At the time I declare, she will have a son. Uh-oh, Sarah's busted, right? She didn't know the visitor could hear her. So Sarah says, uh, I didn't laugh, I didn't laugh. She was afraid, you see. And the Lord said, yes, you did laugh. <laughs> it sounds like, a, sounds like a family at the dinner table with two teenagers and dad makes some sort of pronouncement, you know, like, from now on, we're going to go as a family to church every week. And then one of the kids snickers under his breath and dad says, why did you laugh? Uh, I didn't laugh, I didn't laugh, it was him. Yes, you did. I heard you. Now, we might think that Sarah is the spiritual slacker here who uh, doesn't believe enough. While Father Abraham, the father of our faith, is holding fast with his conviction about what God is going to do. And you would be wrong if you thought that. For only a few days earlier, in the narrative covered in chapter 17, that's the chapter before our text today, God reminds Abraham of something that God had said earlier that he will be the father of a son that Sarah will bear. And Abraham's reaction, it's quite relevant for us. Abraham laughs, just like Sarah, but he doesn't laugh privately to himself. He literally falls on his face laughing. <laughs> that would be an insult to the one bearing the message. Not very nice, Abraham. So Abraham's faith was not perfect. Then again, Consider Abraham's plight. 25 years earlier, count him, God promised Abraham that he would be the father of a great nation, that he would have uh, many descendants, more than the grains of sand on the beach, that he would be blessed in order to be a blessing to the world. So just believe that, Abraham, and pick up and follow me to an undisclosed location, said God. So even then, 25 years ago, that had to seem pretty improbable 
as Abraham and Sarah were getting a little long in the tooth, even 25 years earlier. But hey, if this is God who's making the promise, who knows? All bets are off, right? Well, Abraham and Sarah picked up stakes in the land of Ur and lived a nomadic lifestyle for 25 years. All along, Abraham had wondered, no doubt, when God was going to deliver on his promise. You ever wondered when God was going to deliver on his promise to you or what you think God has in store for you and you don't know why it hasn't come yet? I think we can all be there. When was God going to give him and Sarah a son? Perhaps Abraham concluded it had all been a dream, this promise from God. And then, 25 years later, this is our story today, he's 99 and she's 90, and God says, Sarah will have Abraham's son. Here we are again. Are you kidding? That promise is still being made? That's still in effect? Do you blame Abraham for falling on his face in laughter? For both Abraham and Sarah, they'd been waiting for decades. Their laughter now has become a way of dealing with the absurd. Ever noticed there's a fine line between laughter and tears? Sometimes these two are often very close. Cynical laughter for us diminishes life. It lowers the ceiling on what you can expect because part of you has given up. But oh, the laughter is not done yet in this story, is it? Skip ahead to chapter 21. Sarah indeed conceived and bore a son to Abraham, and they named him Isaac, which means in Hebrew, anybody want to guess? What does Isaac mean? It means laughter, or literally, he laughed. <laughs> yes, Abraham is now 100 years old and Sarah 91, and Sarah says, God has brought laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. Better to have people laughing with you than having people laughing at you. Laughter with one another. God has here transformed laughter from cynicism to joy, from diminishing life and to affirming it together in celebration. One thinks immediately of the verse from our gospel text today where Jesus says, for mortals, it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. Well, what does that mean for us in our life of faith? We all live with heartbreak and sorrow, despair, and cynical laughter on some level when life has its way with us. <laughs> and usually it has to do with seeing a future where the possibilities are diminishing, where life is being closed off in some way, whether it's a relationship that's not working, perhaps waiting to become a parent, an illness that someone has, a career that is flatlined. There could be many things. And into the fragile, fragile uh, reality of this fallen world, there are, where there are so many limitations, in our lives and to our imaginations, God says to us, Behold, I do a new thing. I will create a future for you with new possibilities. Whatever the future holds for you, by the way, there is one thing you can count on beyond a shadow of a doubt. God will provide. Your life will not be diminished. It might be nicked up pretty bad, but it won't be diminished. It will be enriched. That is the promise. 
Oh, yes, in heaven, to be sure. But even here on earth, you can claim that promise. Now, one might say, well, having a child at 91 is fairly dramatic. Uh, is this the sort of thing we can count on? <laughs> no. Um, well, no. But a miracle birth, as in this story, is not the only reason for the joyful laughter. Stay with me. When the Lord asks Abraham, where is Sarah? It echoes other inquiries by God in Scripture where relationships are not what they should be. Where is your brother Abel? Asks God of the murderous Cain. Where are you? Asked God of Adam in the garden after Adam had, and Eve had hidden in shame. Where is Sarah? These are questions not just about location, but very existential situations, broken relationships. There in the tent, says Abraham. No, he hasn't even introduced his wife to the visitors. I mean, it's a patriarchal society and all, but please. This is, after all, the husband who has already passed his wife off as his sister to save his own skin and will do so again even after his, this promise of a son. Meanwhile, Sarah laughs and says, Ha! In my old age, shall I have pleasure? Is how it's translated. Which as commentators have pointed out, suggests more than just being past childbearing age. There is something else lacking here in her relationship with Abraham, namely pleasure. And so, God's promise of a son to Abraham and Sarah is not simply a promise of a miraculous birth. It will take divine intervention to reverse the long history of Abraham and Sarah's struggling marriage. And the miracle is that this promise brings Sarah and Abraham back together again. And so, God's promise to them was not just an unrealistic fantasy, but God calling them out of their death spiral, unable to see life-giving possibilities. In closing, what does this mean for Mount Carmel? Sarah and Abraham were in their 90s when they laughed. Can you think of uh, someone else who's in their 90s? This congregation, I believe, 93. Abraham and Sarah were, uh, it's fair to say, somewhat despairing and cynical about their future, largely because they had no children. For Mount Carmel, too, there is clearly anxiety, as there is with many churches, about not having enough heirs to Mount Carmel's legacy. Perhaps we feel a bit barren, congregation, congregationally speaking, and we are not alone by any means. The question for today is, do we believe? Do we believe that God can produce new life from our somewhat barren landscape? The truth is, God promises new life for this 93-year-old congregation, but it will be new life 
that brings change and new possibilities, it will not simply be a reboot of the old. It's tempting for any of us to try to turn back the clock to the way things used to be, those of you who can remember a different day and age, when there were three services on Sunday morning and all of them were at least as full as, as this. But that's not the way God works, is to go back in time. God works in real time. When God fulfilled his promise to Abraham and Sarah, they didn't become younger again. From a restored relationship and by the life-giving presence of God, God brought forth new life out of those old folks. May we learn to be ever open to the new life that God will bring forth and is bringing forth among us. It's not as though this isn't already happening. Do you see the signs? I do. <laughs> and when it happens, may we be gifted with the joy of laughter uncontrollably like Gandalf, Frodo, and all of his hobbit friends. Amen. <laughs>